Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome back to How to Pakistan. My name is Musharraf Zaidi. I'm joined by my friend, confidant and partner, Fasi Zaka. Teacher. Teacher. Yes. Master. <laughs> Master. Uh, we're opening... Sensei. <laughs> Sensei. <laughs> Sensei. I'm going to call you Miyagi from now on. But I'm not waxing on or off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wax on. Wax, on. wax off. Oh <laughs> so, uh, how'd you like the wax job uh, <laughs> at the Supreme Court today? It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. I have to say, I mean, just I'll open up by, I am so happy the judgment is out finally. I just think that... Because you're a Nuda. Patwari. You, you love corruption. I love corruption. And, uh, yeah. and you have Panama. Well, the, the thing was that... You are Panama. I, I, find, <laughs> I find it interesting is that I think it was oversold. This judgment is there to basically, if you believe that Nawaz Sharif is the root of all evil, then yes, it's going to be historic. But given how this case evolved, right, the kind of scrutiny it got, the way it was pushed into inception, which was through protest, and then the very basis of which is an international reveal, right? It's not just that, dude. So, so, so my it's point, the media. It's the media. Uh, I mean, the way in which many responsible anchors presented this as their jihad yeah. was... It was phenomenal. So, so my point being is that this would actually be revolutionary if it could continue that every case of this sort would receive the same kind of attention or attention to detail or the pontification over what law applies, whether the law is accurate or inadequate. So I think that aspect of how they've sold it, that the moment that they are going to disqualify a prime minister, suddenly we're on the road to redemption and absolute integrity. I think they've done a dis, you know, it's not a favor to Pakistan. I think we should see the case for what it is. You know, we we opened up laughing, I think just partly because we're doing this after a while and it's always good to see you and, yeah. and to do this. But uh, I don't think, it doesn't matter what the judgment was going to be. This was not a happy day for Pakistan. Yeah. I was, I was assured this was not going to be a happy day for Pakistan. None of the institutional problems that the Panama None will be papers... Yeah. Uh, well, none of, how can they be addressed if they haven't even been discussed? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, and none of the opportunities that pa the Panama Papers presented individually to politicians, including the prime minister and the opposition, and collectively to the country have, have, have been taken on. Yeah. Instead, we've had this, I would say, crude and reasonably vulgar version of a morality show Every Absolutely. evening, yeah. nonstop, since April yeah. of last year, which yeah. is when the Panama Papers uh, came out. Actually, that's very interesting you say this, because I think that is the key to this, and also in a legal sense. I think one of the things that, you know, you've just highlighted, the worry is, again, you know, that it's not going to portend what really matters, is that this would be truly revolutionary, is if, after this, every incident or, every, let's say, look, one thing the case did prove which is that, you know, with the Sharifs, whatever they presented, it stunk, right? It wasn't enough, and the case had a legitimacy to it. Well, but their behavior and their, and their presentation of the facts was, was the presentation of guilty people. Exactly. And, but but now, so now, once you get that out of the way, the question is, does this significantly change anything? That I don't think is true. I think 
people have a belief that yes if you can get him then you can get everyone no the, the system this sort of incentivization will not repeat itself in the absence of any change into the system itself but on the no, but morality also, but way, also if you can get him what yeah. does getting him mean because yeah. if it's about him being the prime minister or not being the prime minister if that's the zero one again it's there's a massive disservice that's been done to the vast majority of pakistanis who are not able to because they have other things to do not everybody's like me and you right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, no really if you think about it right like a, most people neither have the time nor the inclination to sift through the facts to to read the rational linear sort of you know factual bases of a situation yeah. and then to discern what what they think should happen and what they think just happened most people see what's on the ticker and say oh okay and so there's a i think there's an there's been a very active poisoning of the national discourse and it's not new and it's not defined by the panama case by any stretch of the imagination and so much of what's been going on in our country in recent days is really just a reminder of how contaminated and polluted our national discourse really is. Yeah. So I mean, so on the morality play, I think the interesting thing is what I thought what I really hoped for this judgment, I thought where it could do a service to this country which would last not 20 years but maybe 100 is basically explain what article 6263 is. Right now if you've noticed, you know, somebody you know loses an iphone is by article 62 63 laga do ye fajr ki namaz nahi padta theek hai na to ye to mna nahi ban sakta well uh, so i mean right. I, that that one is you know you know I, i'm a solid i know i know right <laughs> so so again i mean it goes to answering questions like you know the questions ro's were asking of candidates so i thought that if this judgment can simply explain to us that you know that you can contain article 62 63 that it cannot be ap- put i mean theoretically applied to any sort of behavior that it's just this or this i think that's where it would have proven to be a genuinely useful case now i haven't read the judgment i don't think that that is the case that it's been defined in such a way that case law would explain that 62 63 is the 62 63 how many people do you think So yeah so I I hear you on 6263 yeah. but since you asked about the judgment how yeah. many people do you think have read 549 pages I, I we're recording this it yeah. is currently it's 1750 yeah uh judgment was announced around 240 yes. to 45 <laughs> how many people do you think have read this no I I don't think very very few people. you know where the, how it opens right Yeah, it's got a quote from the Godfather. Yeah. Yes. And then Balzac. Yes. In 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 the original French. Yes. And then it's got a translation. Yes. I haven't checked the translation. I need yeah. to Google translate that to see yeah. how accurate it is. But uh <laughs> uh so that by the way I think was a mistake. Right? Because uh when you quote from the Godfather, then you wonder do you need to read the rest of the judgment because it says, you know, like behind every Fortune Great fortune is a crime, is a crime yeah. right? And I, I, I personally think the, I think maybe some literary ambitions were held by the writers of the judgment, but I think this is something they should have refrained from. Um, and 
The judge. I wonder how many of our Supreme Court judges are aspiring or failed newspaper columnists, talk show, or talk show, or podcast, or podcasters. <laughs> I hope they never find out about podcasting because I think we we we, we we'll we, get it we, right we, after a we, session. I think we just did uh, something very close to what is the admissible. S- sort of spectrum of relationship yes. with something called contempt of court. Well, it's I think very we, interesting. I think we just grinded up against it a little bit. I don't think there was any, any, yeah. um, no, no, we I, might, I don't we, think there was any crime. We were still <laughs> in the realm of speculation. But it's interesting. Zardari today said that he condemns the three judges who authored the majority thing. Now, the interesting thing is the majority judgment is actually just saying, it's like, we can't come to a judgment. It stinks. We need more info. And, I'll, I'll tell you why I think that was a good thing. I think that if, let's say, they are inclined to make something very decisive, then you need incontrovertible evidence or that at least you've given them a chance to be heard. And the benefit of that is if what they assume that this judgment will have, which is some great import of moral authority that will set a course correction of history, then it has to be done on the basis of an investigation. It can't be done, you know, without essentially a trial where evidence has proven to be uh, muddied at best. Yeah, I, it's a. Uh, <laughs> as I said, I, I think any Pakistani that's celebrating today is doing so in extremely bad taste. I saw some celebratory or some. I saw some pronouncements of, of relief and celebration by, yeah. by some people in the ruling party, and I, I was not, I didn't think that that's, uh, I think Pakistan deserves better than that. Yeah. I also think that Pakistan deserves better than uh, a national discourse that's addicted to sort of low IQ binaries that, that actually, yeah. that make it more difficult to enact reform. Not, I, again, I don't. I don't think we've had enough of a conversation about whether this whole last one year, twelve months, how many serious conversations about the FIA and the FBR and the National Accountability Bureau have we had? Yeah. How many serious explanations of the instruments of accountability that are available from a financial and fiduciary perspective? How many instruments of public sector accountability are already available, and what ails them? What is the reason why they don't work? Why do you need a Panama leaks investigation or a court case? Why wouldn't this be why wouldn't this be prevented or found out at a much earlier stage? Yeah. These are the for me, Fussy, these these are the questions that I think we should have been asking and these are the issues we should have been discussing. And the legitimacy of the Prime Minister or or the lack thereof is almost a secondary and and happenstance sort of event whether you green light or red light the prime minister has to be the product or or the it's something that you pass by on a larger highway and that highway is well paved and it's got lights and it's got and it's got rules of the game right and that highway is institutions right that if you have a constitutional article 62 or 63 and let's say that you're confused by it because you're plagued with this sort of maghrib zada, sort of westernized liberal sort of, you know, disease. That, don't go that, that far. Ataturk. I think, I don't think you have the nationalism of Ataturk. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. <laughs> you may have the Pashtun nationalism of Ataturk, but you don't have the Pakistani nationalism of Ataturk. I, I, I found a bunch of people on a WhatsApp group yesterday discussing um, how humanism is better than patriotism. Uh, obviously, I, I, I choked, yeah. and it was it was great fun. But the, the point is, we, we haven't had a serious conversation about what Panama Gate reveals. We don't have... Uh, forensic accounting firms or investigators. We don't have those capacities within the Auditor General and his office or the Accountant General and his office. PIFRA doesn't account for, for, for these kinds of things. It doesn't actually... We've had... PIFRA has been running in this country for over a decade. We haven't had anything... PIFRA hasn't found out anything, right? You find a teacher who used a school uh, reconstruction and uh, classroom reconstruction fund where 100 rupees went missing and suddenly his or her pension gets suspended, which then causes people up and down the chain to not use those funds. So to the extent accountability is working, that's how accountability works. It prevents bureaucrats from making bold and meaningful decisions at the point in time when they need them. A CDA guy, section officer, maybe uh, a tad above some BPS 19 that should be looking at whether a new sewer line is required or not and, and discovers quite suddenly as he's looking through the paperwork that if he does approve this, he might be accused of corruption and so he doesn't approve it. So you have all these instruments to prevent corruption that actually institutionalize operational decay, that institutionalize uh, inertia, that institutionalize not doing stuff. And then you have a year-long national obsession with this issue, right? Where, uh, like, people are so high on themselves that they really believe that they're, that they're constantly banging away on this is their contribution to the country's future and to the country's well-being. And it's complete nonsense. And it's just, we are overrun by a low IQ and low quality conversation about these kinds of things. And so... Actually, I mean, I'll add one thing. I agree with that. I think... Especially on institutions or institutional mechanisms sometimes to prevent corruption, you find some ridiculous things. Because one of the things that's happened right now, and in terms of asking questions, like remember when Dr. Asim was put in jail, right? They essentially said that he had more money than Bill Gates. Um, if you're going to do a prosecution of that level, number one is like even then the question that needed to be asked is just in your rush to prove someone guilty. And sure, there is definitely some wrongdoing that's happened. But in your rush, what you've done is that you've institutionalized. Wait, how do you know there's been wrongdoing? So I'm just saying is that it looks like it, right? Okay. Like I'm just saying is like there are cases where you see railroading where absolute uh, injustice is happening. But in some cases, okay, from my perspective, I see, okay, something's wrong happened. But if you look at that and then you suddenly suggest that this guy has more money than Bill Gates, then that shows that this prosecution is essentially malified because your aim is to get them in jail to deny bail and then to use it as a leverage to extract whatever confection you have and then not even use that confession. The aim is to make sure... I thought you said confection I, earlier. I actually almost said confection. <laughs> but, but the aim... Which would have made sense as well. Which would have made sense, yeah. In fact, more sense more because sense. usually it is... These are confections. These are confections. And the aim is just to extract, you know, concessions. Politi well, more yeah. than that, political advantage. Advantage, exactly. And 
Let's do let's do an operation against the MKM to clean up Karachi. Yeah, Meanwhile, but make Karachi. sure don't you convict them. No, no, and, and leave yeah. it leave it hanging for so long. Yes, that instead of cleaning up Karachi, now yeah. you have less mobile snatching. Yeah. But every corner of the city stinks because yeah. garbage piles are piling up. Yeah, the, the 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 housing and building codes in Karachi don't allow for buildings above a certain height. Yeah, but the garbage piles can go skyscraper height. No absolutely, problem. absolutely. And I think I think the other thing is that. Now, I mean, your question is also valid. I think one of the things that I've seen from the order where I feel there's a problem, even in the judges that have said, haven't gone against, uh, haven't decided to disqualify Nawaz Sharif, they've essentially asked for a JIT and they've asked to ascertain basically pretty much everything within the case in 60 days and now when you're talking about forensic accounting it's it's i think it belies uh, a total lack of understanding on how these particular cases well where would they get any kind of worldly sophistication or understanding of these things when their evening program is to watch geo air y sama and uh, yeah i whatever, agree uh, i agree you know uh, aj i agree <laughs> where <laughs> Seriously, where, where's the sophistication in a discourse or sophistication in thinking supposed to come from? Yeah. It, it's not going to come from, it's not going to come, it's not going to, it's not going to just condense into form. It's not going to appear out of nowhere, right? Yeah. The, and, and just to give you a quick, just a quick uh, addition to that, is that in 60 days, I do think some of the composition of the JIT has been well thought out of. So you've got the state bank, you've got the SECP, where... There's some kind of uh, expertise available, but again, to do it in 60 days, you would also need to be talking to sovereign states, whether they're willing to share, whether their allow, laws allow it, because the other opportunity would be is that the people you are actually prosecuting, the sons of Nawaz Sharif, they would have to volunteer this information. If they don't, if they claim that it no longer exists, then if you have to use sovereign states, how are you going to do it in 60 days? How are you going to say? No, we've, UK, and again, come this on, is tell not, me you everything. Didn't, you didn't just expose something brand new, Fussy. Yeah. If you recall, Vajid Shamsul Hassan. Yeah. And London. Yes. And files and yeah. the Swiss case. Yeah. That's exactly the issue. The yeah. issue was that the sovereign relationship with Switzerland uh, was 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 not sorted out to the. To, to the extent that it needed to be. You can't do a and, prosecution and the, if it and the, ex, yeah. and the executive was vested with far too much authority yeah. to be able to, to quash uh, those proceedings. To be fair to our national discourse and to the evening talk shows, uh, of which I'm as guilty and, and, and so are you. I mean, we're both part of this yeah. uh, this this, uh, this community, so it's not a finger-pointing thing. A lot of this is reflective and, and self, uh, self-critical as well. But to be fair to that, there have been, I think, some suggestions or hints at in enhanced independence, especially for prosecutorial, prosecutorial sort of services and especially for the investigative authority or autonomy enjoyed by, I think, both the FIA and NAB. Uh, but again, it's been 
it's been the 1% conversation. Most of the conversation is, is he or isn't he guilty? And look at his, uh, look at the way he shops and look at how arrogant he is. And uh, on the other side, uh, what about Imran Khan? And what about his flats? And what about Jang Yutarin? And it's all, it's all really, it, it's, it's, it's really low quality. And this country deserves, nah, the country deserves a lot better. The people that are invested, you know, there's a lot of people that are upset today that are in Safians and there's a lot of people I think that are kind of partial to the Muslim League noon. Who uh, it, it was like getting were, were knitted relieved. socks for Eid for both of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like what the heck? What are you what are you supposed to do with this? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I I think uh, I, in many ways, it, you know, when you were talking about when you said. Sh- there's no doubt, Asim, Doctor Asim, yeah. has you know done something. The reason I sort of uh, the reason I took exception to that, yeah, is because there this kind of rumor based certitude. Uh, I know that you followed the story much more closely, but you know it's really not unique, and and one of the reasons why I haven't followed it very deliberately, very closely, is because it is uh, it is an attack on one's peace, it's an attack on one's soul to have to watch uh, that material, to have to read about it, to learn now what we're learning about the insidious nature of of how those allegations were constructed Mm -hmm. and how the campaign against this young man, this this flower, how this uh, campaign was enacted and how literally a human life was destroyed. Uh, so, in Mashal's case, uh, in many ways, I think, uh, and I'm not being disingenuous, but I think it's a bit, I think that's almost more important than Panama. And uh, the thing about him tell is... Tell me right, why. Okay, so I, let me just tell you about Mashal from what I've been able to gather. Is His father was, you know, basically at the lowest end of the middle class. Not very well educated, but a man who loved poetry and reading. He instilled that in his children. He How many siblings does this kid have? He has a brother and a sister, I believe. He's got um, a small business selling, you know, basically biscuits to canteens and other places. And he, he managed, his son was intelligent. He did well in his FSC. Um, Man- Mashal was the eldest? Uh, Mashal, I think, is the he's the second eldest. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, so it's a it's three kids, it's, uh, three siblings, uh, yeah, and he's the middle siblings. kid. He's the middle kid. Okay. At, at least that's uh, what I remember right now. And then he went and he did his engineering from Russia, uh, became fluent in Russian there. But when he came back, he told his father, look, this is not me. I know you might expect me to take care of the family, but that's not my future. And like, you know, the whole learning aspect, all that. He wanted to do journalism. And the thing about him is the reason why people have, you know, usually in these cases they say, The reason why they didn't is because this guy's life is pretty well documented online. And every post is thoughtful. It is considerate. And give uh, this you've read through these books. Yes, I've read through. All Were of you them. surprised to see the quality of intellect in a in a in a, in a second tier university? As so, so I mean, what I I found it to be at least rooted in a certain Pakhtun tradition as well, 
of the Pakhtun literary tradition. And one that's, of course, like narrowing out. But yes, I mean, for him, uh, I, I, I feel bad that, you know, I wish he was, he, he needed a much broader vista, a much broader, a more, maybe a much more rigorous education because AKWU is relatively new, right? It's not Peshawar University. Yeah. And that's why I said I didn't mean I didn't mean it pejoratively. No, no, I know that. But it isn't Lums and it isn't, it isn't University it isn't. of Karachi, absolutely, or University of Punjab, absolutely. or Qaeda University. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you could tell that you know he would have been the man on campus at least when it came to intellectual pursuits. And when you read through his posts, his poetry, um, you know the way he thinks, what he reflects about, and he's got like all these aphorisms he's made, like you know, uh, people saw your body through your torn clothes but I saw your poverty right so just things like this and and then so so with him the other thing is he was an incredibly gutsy guy he believed like he was also religious like he had uh, Hazrat Umar was one of his idols Marx was uh, a number of others he um, you know was gutsy enough like just a week before his death like, who does this at a university? You lead a protest. You point out all the professors and academics who have dual jobs, like who are essentially not showing up, who are your ghost teachers also. And you do it to a television station. You gather people. And then, so not only did he have an intellectual spark, but he had integrity. And obviously in class, I think one of the things that probably played out is like when you got sons of Khans and whatever, and they're like, who the hell is this guy to be the top of the food chain here? And that's sort of, you know, uh, those access... Is he, a, is he a Highlander or a... Yeah, yeah, he's from Yusuf, Swabi. Yeah. Yusufzai? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, uh, you've got um, teachers who've got a problem with him, who's, you know, essentially the black money was being exposed by this kid, this kid's in the class and elsewhere who didn't like him just because, you know, he was a guy who joined the uh, Pakhtun, uh, you know, the PSF and quit, right? Relatively, supposedly liberal, supposedly progressive, and he quit. Like, what is it you guys are on about? What sort of campus politics is this? And eventually, you know, they got together in whatever way they killed this guy. And when you hear his father talk, right, his father is like, the guy's dead. It's over. Let's use this as an opportunity. One, that it shouldn't happen to anyone else. Two, that we recognize that what's happening to our societies. And three, that learning, actually learning, should come back. And this is the guy who's saying this about just a few hours after his, father, his son's death. It's amazing what a human being is. I'll add you one other thing is I've personally been very pissed off. Like, you know, I, I've seen the ANPs doling out these jobs and universities as patronage. These universities are essentially, you know, crippled because of this. But let me tell you one amazing story. The ANP has another organization called the YPO. And the YPO, what one of the guys from the YPO did? I know them well because yeah. we, we do some campaigning and, right. and and they're very supportive and they're good. But let me tell kids. you a story about them that this is amazing. Is the ANP was slow, right? They were all waiting. Maybe this little blowover because there was also the question of involvement of PSF students, ISF students were involved. I, you know, IGT students were involved. But what this YPO kid did, he was like hell with this. I'm not standing for this. 
he went to that father's house. He took a pistol with himself, protected the home, right? In the immediate aftermath. When people weren't willing to read the namaz and janazah, he was at the forefront. And then he brought four or five, and there were like about five, ten kids who said, we don't care whether the party is slow, whether they'll fall into line or whatever. Like essentially they went ahead and did the right thing. And, you know, I at so many levels, I just keep thinking like, I think, uh, you know, I don't think I would have done it, maybe. I don't think uh, so many people who've got immense resources at hand and power, who've held off because uh, blasphemy is such an explosive issue. And, and now when I just think about it, like this guy, I genuinely believe would have been somebody in five, six years, had we given him the chance at life, we'd all be, you know, speaking his name. He would have been doing something or the other that would have earned recognition and we would have found a reed that would not bend. We've all made like, you know, compromises to be where we are, but I didn't see that in this guy. And with the intellectual gifts he had, and also I think uh, one of the few people who could actually overcome, you know, we've got pretty oppressive semi-caste-like restrictions based on class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was going to break through those. So now when I look at it, you know, when I look at some commentators like who are still willing to find a way to muddy the waters, and I'll tell you two other things. And this really struck me. And the first is that, you know, all those guys who killed him, they said, that if we hear something against the Prophet, peace be upon him, we will do something, right? This guy died, and then those guys, they wanted to essentially create the grounds so they wouldn't get, they created false accounts, and then they committed blasphemy, and I've, I've seen those things, right? And these are the same guys who just like 11 hours ago before, you know, killing someone, but just to save their own skin, right? They, they did this, and I, I, I just... I just can't get over that, like at what level of people they were, like what forced, supposedly forced you to kill someone and that becomes the very tool of your alibi, one that you fabricate evidence for. Um, but again, you remember Rim Shamasi? Yes. You remember what happened? Yeah. The guy was caught. Yeah. He was caught. It was clear that it was fabricated. It went to court and he was he was released. Yeah. These people will not be punished, Fussy. Yeah. And this society will not learn from this. Uh, the thing it'll learn from this is to normalize this brutality a little bit more. Our biggest, our relationship has, you know, suffered several, several, uh, several shocks. Yeah. Because I think we've grown up in tumultuous times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't do anything fun together every time we get together. <laughs> this is pre-podcast as well. It's always yeah. very serious. Yeah, yeah. And we laugh a lot, but we're always talking about really, I mean, it's, I can't Macabre believe, things. this yeah. can't be the basis of a friendship. Like, friends, <laughs> friends get together and go places, yeah. you know, experience different things. We yeah. sit and we, like, basically <laughs> ruminate on, you know, yeah. on the state of, so it's a, it's a tough relationship. And, and you remember that the probably the biggest hit that our relationship took do you remember what it was caused by the 
those videos? You told me many, many years later. Yeah. I didn't know back then. Yeah. But I had a certain view about, uh, about the Sialkot lynching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had a very, very... Yeah, yeah. I think it affected you probably as much or more than than Michelle. I, I haven't asked you whether what you know. I haven't asked you to quantify it. Par- yeah. Partly because I think it's inhuman. You're not a computer, so I'm. Yeah. You know which 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 is greater. Yeah. Uh, so, so I won't ask you that. But but I know that it affected you deeply, just like it affected many of us, including yeah. me. But you wrote a piece. Yeah. And you talked about cockroaches. Yeah. And I called you. I think that very day, and I said. Whatever else is happening in society, one incident, you can't use it to paint an entire society this way. And you, of all people, because so many people listen to you, you got to, you know, and uh, you were very polite on the phone. But then for for a long time, we weren't, we weren't very close (laughs) because you didn't, you didn't like that. Um, And uh, I mean... I guess the first time people act like cockroaches and you call them cockroaches, some people like me will be like, hey, man, what are you doing? These are people. But after Sialkot, I don't know if you remember, there was a, there was a Daku in Karachi that a bunch of people caught yeah. in the middle of the day yeah, and yeah. Took, took care of them. And then there was Radha Krishan. Yeah. They took care of that couple. Yeah. You know, they cleaned up Pakistan real good. You know, and now, of course, Mardan has been cleansed yeah. of uh, of this of this flower. You know, so because I mean, I, I, because we we, we mm-hmm. basically we are cultivating a desert yeah. of humanity and decency and morality. Yeah, and we can't have flowers in this desert. Yeah, so we have to rip them out of the earth. And you know, what animal survives in the desert? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I think Sialkot was. I think we would discuss this before, but it was instrumental for me in my worldview as well. And I think, so if you remember me somewhat before Sialkot, is that even though I have a liberal tendency, I was also a very traditional nationalist in some ways, in the sense that I believe that we had a rapacious elite and people at the bottom end were just being expropriated and I attached a great nobility and, exploited, huh? Exploited, exploited, right? Yeah. But I also attached a great nobility to the to the non-elite, to the non-elite, yeah. and and then that's when that's partly why you know, like things like Salkot or even Mashal, like in Mashal's case, also again in Salkot, I couldn't sleep a week, but this time around, you know, I was a bit, I'm deadened over the thing. But the thing is that you now realize is that that sort of those binaries don't hold is unfortunately the rot is all the way so even there are guys who use sticks to beat a dead body and take off his shalwar to basically add indignity to a murder but then there are guys who have the benefit of an education sometimes a foreign education sometimes parents with great wealth who end up justifying these things. That, I mean, you, you look at it and then you look at the problem across the spectrum and that is something I fear. And, and I think since Sialkot especially, and so I think before Sialkot I was a bit of a PTI type in some sense, that, you know, on sort of the sort of black and white beliefs. But now I don't, 
I, I see one of the things that did happen in Mashal's case, and I'm glad the papers put the video out. They embedded it in the story because people need to see what happened when they need to read what this guy was about. And they need to read it, how easy it is. And the truth is, like, if you look at it right now, nobody's safe. Like, uh, Shahid Latif is, I think, a former AVM, right? And he on TV said, Nawaz Sharif committed blasphemy, right? Just because he said something like, you know, Bhagwan, this, that, all, we're all one God. And he was making an outreach to the Hindu community. And they're the poorest in the country. And when you look at that, We've got a severe problem. It needs to be addressed. And how is proving to be very difficult? Because I also see that the people have a very real need not to self-reflect. It's, uh, you know, it's... Well, that's the beauty of the Panama case, right? Yeah. It really is the perfect crime for Pakistan. Yeah. Nawaz Sharif, his dead father, his ambitious daughter, and, you know, three generations of, uh, of these steel magnets... You know, our, our middles, if you will. Um, there's so many pejoratives that are used for this family. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe in some cases justifiably, but it's the perfect crime because it externalizes every single ill in this country. That's a great insight. That is exactly, in some ways, the problem I've been trying to articulate. Well, no, even the yeah. Mashal thing. Like, I yeah. think there's a lot of decent, uh, you know, you mentioned PTI, and I feel like, no, not I feel like, I, I know, I am, I am absolutely, completely uh, tired of these fake binaries between people, Insafian versus Nuda versus Patwadi versus urban versus, versus rural, you know, what about savage versus human? What about animal versus insan? Yeah. Haiwan versus insan. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I think, and I think it's, I think it's interesting and, and not at all in any way, I don't mean this in a, in a, in a manner of insult or, you know, uh, and, and not to be patronizing either, but our assumption that wealth and education and being able to speak the English language somehow makes you uh, a better human. Yet yeah, only, I mean, zero, I, I can only zero. say for myself, yeah. right? And this is just my belief. And yeah. I, 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 I really do feel bad if it offends people. But for me, your humility and your consciousness that Allah is watching and that you are nothing and he is everything is what makes you human. So and if you I, don't have that, so now, now you may have it, it through, a different, through different words and through a different refraction of your place in, in the universe. So whether it's Allah or whatever, whatever modality or, or sort of construction works for you. But for me, if you don't have a consciousness about your nothingness in comparison to or in juxtaposition to the everything that, that is, that so is I, gone. I want to add one thing. I've been thinking about this also. And I remember when I was younger and I remember, you know, learning from my mother about religion and all that. And the way, I mean, I, I found it, 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 it put a lot of pressure on me, right? Because it was a very, like, you have to evaluate what's right. You can't chime in with the majority. You, if, if you know what's the truth, you have to say it, whatever cost comes to you. And that's, that's what I saw as being a Muslim. 
I saw it as like, you know, doing the right thing when no one's watching. And, but today when I see it, it's become an atomization. And I, I can't find better words, so you'll have quibbles with this. An atomization of militancy as well, uh, in some ways. What it means is that you ask what it is. Oh, I'll fight for this. Oh, I'll take the law in my own hands for this or that. But that broader question of what I see as, because I also see, like when I look at Islam, and the one thing I don't see, quite frankly, and I, I don't see this now especially, 20 years ago I saw it. If I saw a Muslim who I thought was a good Muslim, I inherently saw him as being humble. The weight of what a good life meant was something that was like right over it his head. It completely forces you into sajda. I, but I don't see that today. I see that as a construct of fighting. And you ask that to a lot of people, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. That's what it constitutes. But this, fight, but this fight is also because a lot of people have started to conflate. And again, it's not our fault. I think I do it, and I think probably you do it as well. Fussy, if you were JFK... And there was some humiliating constructions that were that were presented to you in terms of the situation. Yeah. Like in that moment, it caused it because I think and I've said this before, you know, I don't think that there's a manual for how to deal with the age of data. And what I mean by that is not data in terms of numbers. What I mean by that is that your eyes, ears, and your consciousness is constantly being invaded by bits and bytes of information. Visual, video, auditory, every sensation that you can imagine. You're a touch, because they're all screens now, right? And and voice, Siri, you know, what have you. And so we we haven't really figured out how to process all of this but what we have figured out is going into our smallest most convenient cocoons or boxes or safe places and increasingly those are identity based yeah and so a lot of the anger or the wanting to fight you know is uh, that's being expressed in nationalistic terms or in religious terms and in negative terms overwhelmingly is because it's a defense mechanism to the bombardment of too many images, too many videos, too many messages, too much, too many words, too much data, right? And so, uh, I do think that's true, but I also think that there's an antecedent for this. Is there's also a design element to this, right? Like when you look at the changes that you know started off from Bhutto or really, truly grew under Zia, and then subsequently, even during the '90s with the PMLN. I think we're now finding out, and I, I think these parties are also now finding out, is that, wait, we're going to have severe trouble containing this. Because I just look at it also from the perspective of, I find that it's very easy to say, but actually, half the time is political norms. There's only so much a constitution can imbibe, right? The Greece is through these norm settings. and. And we are actually attacking those that it's become a zero sum game. Zero ko insano ki tarah nahi treat kar right? You can't, like, you can't have, you can't have, uh, you know, this is exactly what I, I've just interpreted what you've yeah. said, right? That absolutely, you need human beings. If you want the constitutional rule of law to, to prevail, you need a quantum of human being as the baseline and the fundamental unit. <laughs> and, 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 and there's enough evidence. But Fussy, I, again, I take issue, and I'm sorry about this. Again, I don't mean to patronize yeah. me. And I don't, 
are you serious about this Bhutto and Zia and everything? Like, because when I, I, I said this to you on the phone, yeah. one of the reasons why I haven't dug into the Mashal case is one, I, I'm not sure I have the stomach to watch that video. Yeah. And, and I don't consider it a duty to subject my soul to the brutality of those animals. Right? It doesn't, I don't need to see that video to know right and wrong, right? And I, I've spoken very clearly about where I, where I stand yeah. on this and what my position is. And that's my personal choice. And I don't, I'm not asking you not to watch it, yeah. and I'm not asking for a ban. I'm just saying I ain't going to watch it. But, but having reflected on people's reactions, and, you know, there was, uh, I was at a, I'm not doing a lot of social media uh, these days, um, but there was a conversation, and, you know, a lot of people chimed in, a lot of people got very angry, and, there was, you know, a lot of words were said, and I, and they kind of echoed what you said, you know. And Zia really came up a lot. Zia, no, no, I, I think he's uh, too easy to put the uh, name but, on. But, but, but we but, were going there anyway. Wait a second. Him. Hold on yeah. a second. What was happening on the streets of Lahore on In August? On, uh, forget yeah. fifty-two. Why yeah. you gotta go? No, I'm saying nineteen forty-seven, yeah. August. 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. I agree. What were they taking off? Yeah. What were they checking? Yeah. What were they doing on the other side of the border? Yeah. You read the stories and the accounts. Acha, forget about that. I what agree. were they doing in Dhaka yeah. to non-Bangladeshis? Yeah. Of course, we have a... we. You know, And again, I'm, it's not... I don't feel that we need every time we mention Bangladesh yeah. to talk about the crimes of the Pakistan. I mean, yeah. of course, yeah. we, we as, as a country, as a nation, were criminal in our prosecution of that anti-terror campaign. Yeah. But... But there was stuff happening on the other side too. Yeah, yeah. right. And that was happening. And uh, nineteen fifty-two. I just happened. want to add one thing. So I agree with you here. Look, I I think uh, one of the reasons why I started off with Bhutto rather than Zia is because I think it's become too easy because Zia is also an externalizing factor. Of course. Right. Right. And, and my purpose, by the way, is not to say this has been happening and so therefore there's no yeah, big yeah. deal. What I'm trying to say is we have to take accountability and responsibility today, yeah. right now, for what you and I stand for and yeah. what you and I are constructing in this yeah. country with our words, yeah. with our actions, so, with our conversations. So one of the things that, you know, like I personally, although now I've come to round to it, like, you might have noticed, right? I, I, I don't really have much of an interest in India. I don't have an interest in Bangladesh or even America or whatever. I'm just interested in... I find that we do have a bit of a... Gora kya sochega, right? Whatever. I, I don't give a shit. Right? Like the Gora is... You know I'm not beeping this. that, right? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. fine. That's fine. But the, the, the point is that like you look inside and, you know... Um, and I, I think there's space for all of us. I actually think, and I think I, I've spoken about this, but I think most people disagree. I think we're on the cusp of a recovery. I think what's happened in the past couple of months is really egregiously bad, but we're on the cusp of a recovery. If I think have, you're dreaming. If we have one more government in place, if we can sort some things out. But I think yeah, you're dreaming. You think? I think that we are in an age of unfettered, and unregulated consumerism. We have not figured out the role of this data in our spiritual existence and our relationship with, with trees and with streams and with birds. We're not, we're not, there's no, conver there is no conversation about this whatsoever, Fasi. Tell me, Urdu mein, Punjabi mein, Pashto mein. I know, I know the Pashtuns are the best. Please tell me where these conversations are happening in the Pashtun discourse. They're not, man. 
<laughs> so so yeah. they're much less, yes. Look, it's a PTSD. It's a yeah. PTSD sort of, you know, uh, yeah. society, and yeah. so you would expect more sensitivity. Yeah. But what what I don't find is is the capacity, and this is not a fault, and it's not an accusation. Yeah. I, I see the Pashtun thing only because because it's come up, and because it's a, it's a device that we use in our <laughs> conversations. But we are not we're not on the cusp of a recovery when it comes to incidents like what happened in Mardan. That boy is not the last of his type to have the life beaten out of him. This is not going to stop. And this is not, and again, there's a lot of people that want to talk about Zia or want to talk about the Islamization or want to talk about Pakistan. There's a direction of trajectory that human, human beings are traveling in, yeah. which is an unstoppable force. And so I'm really... That's the umbrella within which you're talking. So the really patriotic brothers and sisters listening don't have to get sensitive about it. But by the same token, we are responsible for what happens in our society. I am responsible for Mardan. If I say Pakistan 20 times a day, 40 times a day, if I am doing a podcast with you called How to Pakistan, we have to explain how this happened in Pakistan. Right. And yeah. we have to be beyond. It's not good. It's not about explaining it to the outsider. It's about explaining it to ourselves and looking in the mirror and, and considering what. I just want to add one thing. I also think one of the really big things that we need to think about changing is that our nationalism doesn't allow space for patriots. I want to explain this. It sounds like a paradox, but a nationalist is somebody who will support the country no matter what even when it's in the egregious wrong zone. A patriot is the guy who may be the one guy who says, no, this is wrong, and he's doing it for his country. And that space has definitely receded in the past. But I also, I'll go back to our binary sort of national discourse. How, is it not possible that Imran Khan does everything that he does out of a sense of blazing patriotism and is it not possible that Nawaz Sharif has the exact same quantum of patriotism and does what he does for the country now you may not judge that to be the case and you may be partial to one or the other but is it not possible that they both act in their understanding in a manner consistent with what they think is best for Pakistan yeah, yeah. Is there Absolutely. any way that we can have a national... Con- and let me go further. Is there any way that we can have a conversation with Jamaat Islami and Islami, Jamiat Talba and Fazur Rahman and religious right-wingers about what their intentions are? Look, and is there any, way- any conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I just... This, this constant impugning... What happened in Mardan was the impugning of the motives of a guy who asked a bunch of questions yes. and wanted to have interesting conversations. Yeah. I keep saying, Flower, Why? And I kiss a desert. Why? Because we don't, we are, you think we're on a cusp of recovery. Oh, we're going to grow like, we're going to grow like, like, like gangrene, brother. Yeah. Uh, in terms of our GDP growth, it, it doesn't, and I mean, I think it helps that Navashi is a prime minister, but it doesn't ultimately matter. This country is going to grow economically and we'll have a lot more cell phones and a lot more roads and a lot more highways and we'll get kids into school and even science and math will improve. But our quality of human being, per capita human being in this country has been on a very fast track depletion and will continue to deplete because we're not asking the right questions. You mentioned Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab. Yeah. I want to I want to just share two or three ref- sort of memories of how I was raised about, you know, with with stories of 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 uh, 
both the Ahlul Bayt and the and the Sahaba Karam. The, my favorite one is uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar ibn al-Khattab are walking uh, and they pass by a house and Umar uh, says to Abu Bakr in this house that we're walking by I hear some stuff goes down and he's like what why are you telling me this? And he's like, well, I mean, I think, I think one of them, well, obviously Abu Bakr was alive, so Abu Bakr was a Khalifa, he was the head of state. And so I think, you know, he was like, well, we should do something about, you know, some, some untoward things were happening in, some, in somebody's home that they, they passed by. And Abu Bakr said, uh, just consider what you're saying. And, he, and Umar was taken aback, and he's like, what, what, what do you mean? And Abu Bakr Siddiq said, look, the the domain of the Khalifa ends where the boundary oh, the where the boundary of the home begins. Yeah. And so not only are you asking for a breach, the ultimate breach, which is the state invading in, into into the private sphere, but you're also spreading a rumor that you can't substantiate. Yeah. So like two strikes in one go, right? These are the kinds of conversations about privacy and proprietary behavior that the Sahaba Karam were having. Another story. So we're and in the Stone Ages now. No, but let, let yeah. me, let me, another story that's even more important because whether it's Panama or it's when we're driving our car or it's a situation like Mashal, look, any Muslim, even, even a, even a Neem Garam Muslim, even a lukewarm sort of believer, the a conception of blasphemy is so offensive that it actually internally injures you know, a believer. And, and I'm sure that believers in other faiths feel the same way about their deities and, and their sort of impor- important historical figures as we do. The, uh, my favorite story, and I've told you this before, and I might, we may, might even have mentioned it on the podcast, is of course uh, Ali, on the battle of, uh, on the field of battle. Um, and he's got He's got one of the kuffar by the, by the scruff of the neck, and he's got him. And he's got his sword raised far above his head. And, you know, sun shining down on, like, you know, the desert sun, and this gleaming sword is about to go down. And you can just imagine the scene, right? And he's got him down, and it's the heat of the battle, so his job is to take this guy out, right? This guy who's the enemy of God and enemy of the prophet. And he's got the sword up, and he's, and he's about to strike, you know, and bring his sword and, and be gone with this, with this kafir's head. And the Gaffer looks up at him and he spits in his face. And so Ali brings the sword down and he stops right, right at the jugular. And it took every, every single ounce of energy and power and every fiber of his being to stop the sword where it was. And, and he lets him go. After the battle is done and everything, there was some Sahaba who saw this. And so they complained to the prophet. They're like, yo, I don't know what's going on, but your, your uncle's kid there, uh, you know, why don't you ask him what he was, you know, up to? And so Ali, he explains what he was doing. And he says, and the reason I had to let him go was that in the instant that that man spit in my face, the service, I was, I was in battle in service of the prophet and, and God, converted into rage. And my beheading this man at that moment 
would have been a satiation of my internal rage, me. And I don't work for me. I work for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I work for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These are the people in whose footsteps we are supposed to be following. These are the Ahlul Bayt and the, and the uh, Sahaba Karam that we're supposed to be defending their honor. These were the ultimate defenders of the honor of God and the honor of the Prophet and the honor of the, of the mothers of the believers. And this is how the Republic that supposedly was built in his name, this is the behavior that we enact. And then, and then we have celebrations and boasting about getting away with the Panama thing. And we have rage that one man who may or may not be guilty of something is still prime minister. Meanwhile, a father is grieving his dead son, a dead son whose body and soul were ripped apart on video for a national audience. So, you know, I mean, let's, let's go back to talking about Panama because clearly that's, you know, that's the most important thing in this country. Yeah. I mean, I just hope, I think his father said this also, is that I want my son to be a symbol. I want my son to be remembered for what happened to him, if that is going to wake anyone up. And the only reason I tell people, I never say this, is watch the video, is because just the... Just how unjust that was. Yeah. I'll still, you know, I'll still disagree and, you know, I'll say don't watch the video, watch yourself. Turn off your phone, turn off your TV, turn off this, turn off other people. Have a conversation with yourself. Locate yourself in, in, in all of this. And, of course, we have, you know, we got, a jo- we got jobs, we, we got things to do. You can't. And, I mean, I think it's very dangerous. I'm sure there's young people listening. And, and, you know, I always say to young people, think and reflect, but don't do it to the point of paralysis. You know, those who feel fussy like you, and I'd like to think like me, we have a responsibility to, to put a cap on, on what we feel. This is part of the reason why I'm not watching the video, because it's my job to regulate my, my consciousness. Does that make any sense? Not yeah. my conscience, my consciousness. My conscious, I can't jack myself up on every, every feeling that, that I'm prone to feel or that I maybe even want to feel. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't feel anything I don't want to feel. I mean, you know, but, but we have a, a duty to be operational, to be able to get up in the morning and to do the little bit that we can for ourselves, for our families, and hopefully for our fellow human being, for our fellow Pakistani, for our fellow Muslim. But maybe, maybe also for somebody who doesn't share our identity because they happen to be a creature of God. And, you know, Allah is the one who breathed life into every ruh. And so we don't get to choose, you know, who we, who we help, or who we support, or who we don't because God, God's already chosen, you know, living beings. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, uh, no, I agree with that. I think uh, these things do, but... I just think we're probably guilty of forgetting more than we expose ourselves to. Sure, but we, we also, as, as I said, we, we have a duty to, to be able to 
get no, no, up I off the mat. I mean, yeah, I yeah. think that any any thinking, feeling person is on the mat when they think about Mashal and they think about Mardan. But but we have to we have to we have to get up off the mat and and you know try yeah. to. I just want to say is, I I don't say this enough, but uh, <clears throat> I do want to give credit to Barwez Khatak. I thought he was incredibly gutsy. The next day, he provided a very clear stance in the assembly, which is, uh, you know, there's always pressure on these things to say that, you know, you don't take a clear stance, and he did. And I was just floored by that. I, I, well, I think that we should also credit absolutely Prabhupada Khatak, but I believe Khan went to the house of the, of the child, yeah, yeah, of the boy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big deal. I also think every journalist that's filed a story on this. Shazeb Khanzada, I just want to point him out. Amazing. Well, Shazeb has been an absolute yeah. rock star in this yeah. country in terms of the quality of journalism. Yeah. Uh, he's the one that brought up that case where that kid was killed by, you know. He was also the one who, when the after the airport attack, he went crazy trying to get those young men out of the freezer. Yeah. who subsequently died yeah. and he didn't do it in that whole emotional whatever no sense. no he's a phenomenal but you know he's one of many and, and again he's Mashal could have become I think that's yes. the tragedy that Mashal could have you know Shahzeb is from a small town in, in Sindh yeah. you know uh, like a properly sort of middle, lower middle class background who just by dint of his integrity and his, and his inquiry and his energy, you know, has just become this amazing journalist and a beacon for, for all of us. Absolutely. But it's not just Shazib. I know there's many uh, reporters uh, at the Express Tribune because I yeah. think that they, they, they can, did a great there's job. many people yeah. at Dawn. And there's lots of people on the yeah. television channels yeah. who, you know, because I was very critical earlier, but there's, you know, for every scumbag out there, there's there's a hundred really decent human yeah. beings. Yeah. And so uh, for me, it's not whether we're turning the corner or not. It's whether, forget about turning the corner. In this moment, can we find it within ourselves to reach out, you know, and, and feel something human? And, and th- it's out there. And, and the fact that we know about the story and the details and the, and, and the facts that we know are a testament to goodness. Yeah. And so maybe that's what we cling to. I agree. On that note, I would thank you, as always, for a stimulating, and at least in this instance, perhaps a a tad too stimulating a conversation. Thank Uh, you, and I hope that uh, everyone listening in um, will be back soon and uh, hope to keep the conversations going. Jazakallah khair. That's it from me. Khudafiz, take care of, of, uh, of yourselves and your loved ones, and we'll talk to you very soon.